Conservative. Constitutional. It's the Andrew Cooper Writer Show, keeping you informed on what's going on right here in Kentucky. And welcome, everybody, to a Fired Up Friday, because darn it, I'm fired up today on Kentucky politics. I hope you are, too. And if you're not, it's because you don't know what's going on around the state. Things to get you fired up about. Things to keep you informed. That's what we do here on the Andrew Kubrider Show. You can go find all those national politics elsewhere. But here, we're going to focus on the politics going on right in your own backyard. And, of course, I'm your host, Andrew Kubrider. You know, recently, a popular Twitter account by recently, I mean, like yesterday, they retweeted something they tweeted back in 2019, but a popular Twitter account uh, for the members of the Kentucky Political Press Corps. So the members of like the Courier Journal and Herald Leader, the political reporters, they run a Twitter account called Bluegrass Politics. And recently they retweeted this out. They they tweeted out a, a comic strip, an old comic strip that said, I just went to the city planner for a permit. And I think he uh, asked for a bribe. A person responds, I think if a city official wants that, was that corrupt, we would have, he would have been exposed by a newspaper like the one I used to work for before people stopped subscribing. But it's okay because local government will do what's right when operating unseen. Well, that makes me feel better. And so therefore, I, I just pointing that out, right? Um, and and the, the end of that is they kind of tweeted out, if you're not paying for journalism, you're paying for not having journalism. That's what they say. They say, uh, you know, people aren't paying attention to your local politics newspapers because, well, um, well, they're not, they're not paying for it. And, and this is a common sentiment. You may remember that just a, like a month or so ago, the Herald Leader, uh, ran a campaign trying to get people to donate to their for-profit newspaper. Had all their reporters tweeting out, hey, please donate to the paper. The paper running ads on the front page saying, hey, please donate to us because they're not able to pay their bills apparently with enough subscribers. They're not able to make the kind of profit they'd like to see. Now, why are these papers failing? Why is the Courier Journal, why is the Herald Leader uh, struggling so much so that the reporters there are lamenting that people won't shell out the dough for their hard, hard work well, I'll give you a hint. It's because very far-left liberal newspapers who barely try to hide their contempt for the bulk of their would-be readership that blatantly misrepresent or also something known as lying to their reader's face, papers that do that, reporters that do that, um, well, they're not going to survive very well. I mean, the fact of the matter is you can't have a liberal paper in a red state and then wonder why more people aren't reading your so-called reporting. And as evidence, I turn to a recent tweet from an Alex Kisto. A recent tweet, she tweeted out her own article. And she uh, published an article where she she is there, uh, what was it, health and in, in, in journalism? What is it? And she calls herself the, the health reporter for the Herald Leader. That's what she calls herself. And what's funny about that claim is that most of her articles like this one uh, are actually featured in the political section of uh, the Herald Leader, the political section of it, because, of course, uh, what she's really doing is reporting on politics and then pretending that it is 
factual news that is completely non-opinion based. And so she filed, she, she tweeted out her article where, and the title of the article was KY rep files bill requiring video produced by anti-abortion group to be shown in school. Now, if you didn't know any better and you just read that headline, you would think, well, um, wow, uh, geez, you know, depending on if you're pro-life, you'd be like, Hey, that sounds great. But if you're not pro-life, you may sit there and say, well, you know, I've got a problem with it. Or even if you're in the middle, you would say, wow, that seems pretty extreme to be showing uh, a video, uh, anti-abortion video in our K through 12 schools. Now, of course, you would think that partially because you don't realize they currently indoctrinate them with pro-abortion ideas and stances. And if you don't think that's true, what do you, what do you think all those flat rainbow flags are about when you walk into the school? But anyways, so if you just read that, you would think, well, they actually filed a bill to require specific video to be played, but you would be incorrect because what she is referencing here is Nancy Tate's House Bill 346. I'm going to read you the bill. Basically, in its entirety, what it's doing. Okay, it's adding this uh, provision here. It says a high-definition ultrasound video, at least three minutes in duration, showing the development of the brain, the heart, sex organs, and other vital organs in early field development, and a high-quality computer-based rendering or animation showing the process of fertilization and every stage of human development inside the uterus. Nothing significant, noting significant markers in cell growth and organ development for every week of pregnancy until birth. That is what the bill says. It doesn't require a specific video. Now, there is a video called Baby Olivia that happens to fit those parameters, but the bill isn't saying you must play the Baby Olivia video that is produced by a pro-life group. No, no, no. It's just saying you have to play a video. But see, if, if you read that and you, and you don't know what the bill says and you can't think critically, like I guess so many readers that the Herald Leader depends upon, but apparently isn't paying their bills, you would, you would jump to conclusions. And what's funny is, is even her own tweet about the article doesn't agree with the headline. So remember, the headline was KY Rep Files Bill Requiring Video Produced by Anti-Abortion Group to be Shown in Schools. But then when you read this so-called reporter's tweet, this health reporter, she says, as her caption to her tweet, video produced by anti-abortion group could be shown in Kentucky schools. Could be shown. So instead of, so the headline read, requiring video produced by anti-abortion group to be shown. But then even when she retweets it, she knows it's so full of it. She knows she's wrong. She knows she's lying so much so that when she tweets it out, she tweets it with the caption, could be shown. Not required to be shown, could be shown because another video could be shown as well. Now, of course, the real reason behind this is because Alex Akisto, despite being a health reporter, is a baby killer. She likes killing babies. She likes abortion. She likes destroying them. And I have more evidence of that here later. She has an agenda. She's clearly pushing. And her journalistic standards fall by the wayside the minute it, she needs to push her agenda. And it's very obvious. It's obvious to anybody who pays somewhat attention to her reporting like I said, we'll have another example of this here into the future. But the real reason why she's trying to play this up, because the real headline of KY Rep files bill requiring video to be shown showing babies development wouldn't be a headline because nobody would care. See, the abortionists, the baby murderers need to lie about it because what the real thing is, is if you watch a video watching how a baby forms in the womb, and seeing how it's a human being in the womb, guess what? Maybe you're not so gung-ho about murdering them. Maybe once you realize exactly 
what you're advocating for or what people are advocating for, you're not so interested in their viewpoint anymore. Maybe you recognize them for the immoral murderers that they are. Perhaps. Perhaps that's why they have such an issue with it. But they can't say that out loud. No, 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 no. They say that out loud. You might be on to the fact that this is not a... Uh, objective reporter this is an opinion reporter a person reporting to push an agenda and they don't want you to realize that because then you shut your mind off then you don't keep reading the liberal rag now so many people are realizing it that's why they're struggling so much financially because their reporting is just awful such as this and, and it becomes ever more clear exactly how low their journalistic standards will sink when it comes to pushing out their particular agenda, when you look at something that Alex Aquisto, now she tweeted that out two days ago, but then yesterday tweeted out new statistics about rape and abortion that even a cursory glance and even a, a, a simple critical mind, you don't need to be a health and wellness supporter, uh, uh, reporter, you don't need to be a, a, a public health journalist, you don't need to be anything other than a person with a thinking brain to immediately see that what they're pushing out there was incorrect and wrong. You didn't even need that. No, because you have common sense. And we'll go over exactly what she decided to push out. That simple common sense, if you weren't pushing agenda, would have told you was incorrect and wrong after this short break. You're listening to The Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky politics. If you want to reach out to the show, feel free to email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that is info at theandrewshow.com. Dot com. Make sure you're sharing, liking, spreading this around, telling others about it. We'll be back after this short break. And you are back with the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. Before the break, I was pointing out how this far-left liberal journalist, and I just realized I repeated myself several times, Alex Akisto, working for the Herald Leader, the Herald Leader that is struggling financially, pointing out why they're struggling so much. Um, I pointed out a story she wrote two days ago, which... Uh, was misleading at best and downright lying in order to push her pro-abortion agenda, pro-murder agenda. And as further evidence of this, we have this being tweeted out yesterday. And so she tweets out uh, a graph of some sort indicating that Kentucky, <laughs> okay, so, uh, so it's been 17 months since Kentucky quote-unquote banned abortion in the state. Now, abortion wasn't uh, completely banned. If life of the mother, there is an exemption there, but otherwise it's been banned. And the claim here is that, well, you know, you're, you're allowing people, you're making women who've been raped to carry babies. And we've talked about this argument numerous times, but I, I'm not going to go keep going down that road, but she tweets out this graph, which seems to claim <laughs> that in the last 17 months, According to them, there's been 23,877 rapes that have resulted in 2,965 2, rape-related pregnancies. So they're claiming that over the last 17 months, there's been 2,965 rape-related pregnancies. And, 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 what, almost 30,000 rapes? 30,000 rapes. Now you wonder, 23,000 rapes, sorry, 20, 24,000 rapes, 3,000 uh, babies having resulted from that, uh, supposedly. 
But let's just think critically. So I say those numbers. Just think about them for a second. Be like, 3,000. 3,000 babies from rape. That can't be accurate. And you know why that can't be accurate? Because those of you who follow the program will know that there's recent lawsuits that the Democrats here in the state have tried to file in order to attack the Kentucky abortion laws. But they are unable, have been unable to find somebody who's gotten pregnant from the result of a rape that's willing to be a part of this case. They can't find it. In fact, Bashir, when he ran his own ads, ads uh, uh, trying to attack extremism on the anti-abortionists such as myself, you may remember it was Haley Duvall. Well, Haley Duvall was unfortunately raped by her stepfather. Something, by the way, her mother uh, uh, should take some accountability for. But anyways, and she did become pregnant from that rape, but she didn't even get an abortion. She had a miscarriage. So they've been unable to find somebody who's been raped, got pregnant from it, and either had an abortion or is currently having a child. And all they're searching, all they're scrubbing, they couldn't find it. Now, you'd think if you're a woman and you feel very strongly about abortion and you're part of this 3,000, you would step up and talk about it, but you haven't had it yet. That should indicate to you there is something amiss with these numbers. And then on top of that, 24,000, that's 12,000 rapes a year. 12,000 rapes a year. Now, the bulk of uh, uh, population in the state is in Louisville and Lexington. So you'd imagine that their share in Northern Kentucky, so their share of those rapes, that'd be basically all the rapes, almost all the rapes would have to fall into those areas. But do you really think for one second, for one second, that a town like Lexington is having, I don't know, let's say their share of this is 3,000 rapes. I mean, now 24,000 over two years, that's 12,000. Let's say one-fourth of the population, one-fifth. Let's even say one-tenth of the population is right here in Lexington. So that would be 2,400 rapes. That would be 1,200 rapes a year in Lexington. Do you really think that's accurate? Well, let me tell you how you know that's not accurate. So according to Statista in um, 2020, there was only 1,371 reported rapes in 2020. So unless there was a, been a massive increase of almost uh, a thousand percent or so, not a thousand, sorry, uh, uh, a tenfold increase in rapes a year being reported, well, then obviously, um, which would have been big news, bigger news than this, right? Bigger news than there's been 3,000 pregnancies from rape. It'd be bigger news that there's been a tenfold increase of people being raped. Wouldn't that be frontline news? But no, 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 because that's not true. That's not what's happened. Reported rapes haven't significantly gone up or particularly gone down at all. It's gone down a bit, but not a significant amount. No. So where's this coming from? They're estimating this number. This 24,000 number is a guess. Because if the rapes are being reported, well, then they would show up in that stat from Statista. But they don't. So you're just making these numbers up off of best guess. And then from that, they're then making up the, the amount of pregnancies, best guess. If you add together two years worth of reported rapes, you only get 2,700. That isn't as many pregnancies as this is claiming to have as a result of rape. That isn't, it's not even close. Not even close. But yet, this so-called journalist tweets this out about Kentucky saying there's been 3,000 pregnancies due to rape. 
it's wrong. You know what's wrong. Simple common sense tells you it's wrong. When you hear a stat and you say, that doesn't seem right, that should tell you. I mean, this is a comment. We hear this all the time with rape, too. Remember when it was one in four female college students were getting raped? Do you remember that? Do you remember that floating around? One in four female college students getting raped? That would mean the war, if that was accurate, it would mean our colleges and universities have a greater instance of rape. You have a higher chance of being raped at University of Kentucky than you would in the back alley streets of worn, torn Congo that is lawless. Do you think that's accurate? Do you really? Do you think our universities are more dangerous than Congo for women being raped? I don't think so. If it was the case, would you send your teenage daughter alone to the Congo to wander around? Of course not. But you will send them to universities. You know that this isn't accurate. You know it's not. That's the same way. When you read this stat, you say there is no way that this is accurate. And it isn't. But the so-called journalist reports this without even a second thought. Why? Because it backs up her agenda. And then they wonder, why is nobody paying for our liberal rag? Why does nobody want to read what we're writing? It's because you're a liar. You're lying. You're not even following basic journalistic ethics. It took me five minutes to figure out that those stats were inaccurate. Five minutes of Googling. What do you do? You just post it. Journalism. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Now, the Herald Leader isn't full with nothing but completely awful reporters. There is a shining light over there in Austin Horn. And by shining light, I mean, I think he's got a little bit of a liberal twinge to him. Of course, he likes his sensational headlines, but he's got to get the clicks. I get that. But generally speaking, his reporting is pretty fair. And Austin Horn put together a pretty interesting news story uh, regarding what's the turnover in our legislative side of things. Um, in our House, in our State House, in our State Senate, we've seen a fair amount of turnover coming into this election season. Fair amount of people not running. And so he wrote a pretty lengthy piece where he talked to a few people who have left or are leaving about their opinions on what's going on in Frankfurt. Now, the title of the article is Why Are KY Legislators, Kentucky Legislators Fleeing Frankfurt, Blame Trump, Low Pay, and Nasty Politics? Now, of course, um, our lustrous and wonderful and completely, completely, he promises, conservative Adams jumps right on the bandwagon to blame Trump. He loves blaming Trump for problems. You may remember he blamed Trump for uh, Cameron's loss, him and his ilk. You know, it's funny if you remember Scott Jennings also blamed Trump for his inability to run a proper campaign for Cameron. Scott Jennings to run a proper campaign for Cameron. So he blamed Trump for that. Uh, you may remember him doing that. Now, of course, Scott Jennings is on the Trump train because it's obvious that he is going to be the nominee. And, well, he knows which side of the bread it's buttered on. He knows. But regardless, Adams jumps on the bandwagon here blaming Trump uh, because he hates him. And keep in mind, too, he's also a consultant for Nikki Haley. But that's how you know that people like Adams, he's going to try to make a run for governor, we do know this. He's posturing like he's going to. He's acting like he's going to. But he clearly doesn't represent the majority of Republicans. You know this because the majority of, of Republicans love Donald Trump. Not just 
Democrats and Republicans. I mean, it, on the Republican side of thing, it's probably 80 to 90 percent of Kentucky Republicans at this point are saying that they would vote for Trump in a primary against Nikki Haley, 80 to 90 percent. But it's not just that. Trump wins Kentucky by 20, 30 points. It's not just only Republicans, but it's literally the voters of Kentucky, and Adams does not represent them clearly. And we should keep that in mind as he postures to make a run for governor or Congress or something like that. He's got his eyes on the prize, but so funny for somebody who has his eyes on the prize, he won't shut up because he thinks that by taking this stance, he can win on it. And if he can win going up against, quote unquote, Trumpism in his mind, what I just call actual conservatives and going against conservative values, Adams thinks he can prove something. That's even more reason why we can't let somebody like that win. And we have got to remember that during primary season. We've got to remember it. Now, luckily for us, there's going to be a few uh, people that may jump into that governor's race to split up the old-fashioned uh, <laughs> consideration of, of these far-left Republicans that hate Trumpism and everything and find themselves in the vast majority in Kentucky. So I think no matter what, it will be hard for Adams, but we do it to keep it in mind and hold him accountable come the time he runs again. But Returning to the article, the article was interesting, and we're going to dig into it a little bit after this short break. You're listening to The Andrew Kubrater Show, your source for Kentucky politics. If you want to reach out to the show, feel free to email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. And you're back with The Andrew Kubrater Show, your source for Kentucky politics from constitutional and conservative perspective. Austin Horn, Herald Leader, recently wrote an article called Why Are Kentucky Legislators Fleeing Frankfurt Blame Trump, Low Pay, and Nasty Politics? Now, he does initially start off by uh, making some very real points about how time-consuming the job has become and how it really is, especially for people with family or that live farther away. I mean, if you live in western Kentucky, uh, you're, you're three, four-hour drive away from Frankfurt, and you have to trans-drive that uh, every single spring, you at least probably drive up there Monday and stay through the week and then drive back. Um, you probably aren't, uh, and you may not even go back during the weekend. So it certainly limits who's going to do it. If you've got a family, you want to see them a lot, uh, those kinds of things, it's going to be very difficult for you to go ahead and hold down that position. Now you're not going to be coming out of pocket, uh, per se, it does pay enough to offset all those costs and still somewhat pay you a reasonable rate for your time, but it does take a lot of time away from the family. But it doesn't, and it also doesn't pay you though, like a whole, whole lot. I mean, average legislator might make 50K in a year, which sounds like a lot and it's more than the average Kentuckian make. So they should be pretty happy with it. But for a lot of these people, they could earn a lot more in the private sector. So that's why it necessarily a lot of times will attract old retired people who don't have families, have income from elsewhere, and it's almost a hobby. Now, this wasn't how our state was originally designed. If you go back to where our state legislature was first designed, uh, they were only supposed to be in session every other year for 60 days. So basically one spring every other year, then they would go back home, a far less time-consuming thing. But as government has grown and does more, well, legislators have found it harder to make the commutes. And that is, if anything, a great reason why expending out and extending out our 
legislative calendar, as Matt Lockett has proposed with his one bill to take away the end of session day, would necessarily concentrate more of these kind of lifetime legislators to go ahead and be in our Kentucky Senate and House full-time legislators because now they're basically up there all the time. They get disconnected from their district, so on and so forth. So that's a very reasonable thing to point out. Um, but then the article shifts and it starts talking about the quote unquote environment up there. And that's when we start to get uh, basically a little feature in the middle there from a very jaded, upset and all around disgruntled former rep Adam Koenig. Who, why is he so upset? Because Representative Steve Doan beat him in a primary like a redheaded stepchild. And he beat him so badly, like by a fair amount, like a lot. And he beat him so badly because Adam Koenig stopped representing his constituents. It becomes even more obvious on how he stopped representing his constituents when you read what he has to say when he was asked. Now, he is now a lobbyist, of course, in Frankfurt. And this is what he said in the article. He said, I hear both legislators and lobbyists say the same thing, which is, it's not fun anymore. It's not fun anymore. Well, geez, golly gee, Koenig. Uh, I'm sorry that uh, the legislators and lobbyists just don't have fun on the work job anymore. Don't you wish that you would have fun at your workplace, you know, as you're probably working the line at a factory or uh, working in an office space, dealing with office politics, or maybe you work from home or, you know, a number of things you may do. But, you know, an old saying my mom always used to tell me, if work were fun, it'd be called play, Andrew. But to Adam, it's not fun anymore, which betrays so much about how much work was really getting done. That betrays so much about who Koenig is and why he lost so badly to Steve Doan because he was too busy having fun in Frankfurt than responding to his constituents and doing work. This isn't all Koenig had to say. He continues. He says, the new crowd coming in, which is burn the place down. I'm coming with gasoline and a lighter makes it hard to accomplish anything. Most people go down there to accomplish things, but now we've got an increasingly large group of people there who are just there to burn the place down. Now, first off, Adam, I know um, you you don't understand this. It's hard for you to comprehend this, but uh, a person who's quote unquote burning the place down. And what he means by that is going down there to say that the legislature shouldn't be doing so much. I mean, burn the place down in what way? What to cause problems? Why to cause problems with the legislation you pass? They're not going down there to accomplish anything. Well, clearly they're going down there to burn the place down in your opinion. <laughs> they are going down there to accomplish something. You just don't agree with it. And they're going down there not to burn the place down to get rid of the legislature. They're going down there to get the legislator out of things that the legislator should have never been in in the first place. They're there to get rid of laws, not to make new ones. They're there to get rid of boards, not create new ones. They're there to get rid of regulations, not create new ones. But that's what Adam Koenig was there for. And that's why he's no longer in office. That's why he got beat like a redheaded stepchild. Because to him, saying let's get government out of people's lives is, oh, well, you're just burning the government down. Yeah, that's the point. Get them out of here. And then he goes on, of course, Adam goes on to say, the fact of the matter is that there are 60 to 65 good old-fashioned Reagan Republicans in the House, and that's who I'd love to see leadership pay attention to. Now, he says 60 to 65 good old-fashioned Reagan Republicans. Now, anybody who's been around uh, Republican politics for any length of time finds this usage of Ronald Reagan 
uh, by these grifters as particularly annoying. Uh, a common way they'll use Ronald Reagan is, remember Ronald Reagan's 11th commandment, never speak ill of a fellow Republican. And then they'll say that to say, oh, well, you shouldn't run attack ads and campaigns, or you shouldn't point out why an incumbent is so awful at their job. I mean, you're only running against an incumbent to remove them from office because you think they're doing a bad job. But these, these people who live in their little shell that want to clutch their little pearls, they're more concerned about being nice than calling out people who failed to do their job. And they invoke Ronald Reagan as if Ronald Reagan's never ran an attack ad. As if Ronald Reagan really never said why he was better than his opponent, comparing the two. As if, you know, they forget when Ronald Reagan said that. And, and, and I don't expect them to understand because these same people that invoke good old-fashioned Reagan Republicans, and, you know, by that they would mention Adam Koenig, for example, loves Mitch McConnell, would point to Mitch McConnell as a good old-fashioned Reagan Republican, failing to remember that Mitch McConnell hated Ronald Reagan, these same people that claim that, oh, these are Reagan Republicans, if they were around when Reagan was in office and running for office, they'd be complaining about him the exact same way they're complaining about Trump. And watch, watch this younger generation of Republicans that hate Trump, such as Senator Whitney Westerfield, when they get older, they will say, well, where are the good old fashioned Trump Republicans like there used to be? The next time that they find somebody they're disagreeing with, they're going to reference the last most popular, the last extremely popular Republican president like they do with Reagan. What happened to good old-fashioned Trump Republicans? Watch, mark my words, 20 years from now, remember what I said, okay? Remember what I said. But then we had Whitney Westerfield come in and say, well, you know, he says, we aren't talking about gender issue. We, <laughs> Wendy Westfield came in to say that uh, we're getting distracted by issues that shouldn't matter to us. You know, we should be worried about good governments like pensions. We shouldn't be distracted by these culture wars. This is what he said. He said, you know, we, aren't, we weren't talking about gender issues or trans issues five years ago. We were focused on pensions. We keep engaging more in culture war things. And I think that's counterproductive. It gives us a lot to campaign on, but I think it's counterproductive. Of course he does. Of course, Whitney Westerfield thinks that protecting children is counterproductive. Counterproductive. You know, doing the things our constituents have us do. But the real reason why these Republicans are leaving and they talk about culture and climate, the real reason why is, well, you're going to have to wait to hear the real reason why till after this short break. Talk about a cliffhanger. Man, I'm getting hang of this radio thing, aren't I? getting you to come back after the next commercial breaks, but you're listening to the Andrew Cooper writer show. We'll go over the real reason why after this short, short break. If you want to reach out to the show, feel free to email info at the Once again, that's info at the And you're back with the Andrew Cooper writer show your source for Kentucky politics. So for the break, we're going over Austin Horn's article from the Herald leader. And with regards to his, uh, well, him talking to some of the legislators up there about why they're leaving. And we left off on this quote from Whitney Westfield. He said, you know, we weren't talking about gender issues or trans issues five years ago. We're focused. We were focused on pensions. We keep engaging more in culture war things. I think that's counterproductive. It gives us a lot to campaign on, but I think it's counterproductive. Him talking about the culture and climate. So it's natural for Whitney to think that's counterproductive because those are the kinds of things that government should be dealing with. 
I mean, he thinks those or these culture war stuff are counterproductive. Look, buddy, what you don't understand, Whitney, Whitney, <laughs> is that our government taking our tax dollars and using it to push these culture war issues are of real concern. Because if we don't point out right now, saying things like, look, government can't, government coming in and saying, you can't trans your kids. If we allow that to continue in our medical field, we end up with what we get in California. We end up with what we get in Canada. We end up with what we get up in, uh, I think, Maine recently passing a law like this, where if your child walks in and says, I think I'm gender confused, and then you won't give them life-altering chemical castration drugs and hormones, well, then, then they're going to take away your kids from you. You see, you may think it's counterproductive, but the left is using government and liberals through bureaucrats and everything else are using government to push forward their agenda. And so we have to push back. We have to undo the damage that they're doing. And I don't think it's counterproductive. You want to worry about your little boards and pensions and everything else. Meanwhile, what, what did Whitney think was really important this session? To put forward his car bill, a bill to seize firearms from citizens. To him, he thinks that's important. That's, that's what's not counterproductive to him, seizing firearms. That's what he wants to do. But of course, what do you expect from somebody like Whitney Westerfield? Do you expect somebody who can actually, I don't know, uh, comprehend why people are concerned about it? No, of course not. Why? Because he's the type of person who doesn't think it's concerning at all. I wonder if he thought it was culture war issues when he was sponsoring and voting for uh, bills like creating the Commission on Access to Race and Equal Opportunity, the DEI Commission. I wonder if Whitney Westerfield thought it was a distraction and culture war issues when in the summers of 2020, he went up to Frankfurt in order to make speeches about tearing down Confederate statues. Isn't that culture war stuff, Whitney? They're a long way away from your home to do something that's so counterproductive, don't you think? But of course, it's just whatever that doesn't fall in line with whatever agenda they want at that moment, well, then it must be, of course, counterproductive. It doesn't matter what the voters actually think. That's the same thing with Adam. Why did he get beat so bad? Because he didn't pay attention to the voters. Why is Whitney leaving and he doesn't like it? Because the voters want him to do things and they're paying more attention. I promise I'd tell you the real reason why people are leaving. And here is why. With the advent of social media, Activists through 2020 waking up, paying more attention. You, the citizens, realizing how much control that your state and local governments have on your lives. People like you listening to this program, watching this show, then holding their feet to the fire. They don't like it. They liked it better when you weren't paying attention to them. They liked it better when they could care about the things that mattered to them, not just people who wanted to burn it all down. That's why they're leaving. That's the real issue with the culture up there. No longer are things decided necessarily alone in smoke-filled rooms. That's why the lobbyists, as Adam Koenig says, the legislators and lobbyists, it just isn't fun anymore. Now, it was fun to the lobbyists when all they had to do was take a legislator out for some drinks and a round of golf and maybe slip a few bucks into their campaign account and they could get a bill passed. But now that there's people like me and you out there paying attention to what they sponsor, what they vote for, and calling them and engaging with them and holding them accountable, now that that's going on, well, it just isn't fun. I have to do work. I have to convince voters, not just legislators, that something's a good idea. But isn't that the way it should have always been? Shouldn't you have always had to convince the voters that it was good for them, what you're lobbying for? Because after all, isn't the legislators just supposed to represent the people? 
So if you can't convince the people that what you're pushing for is a good idea, well, then why should they care? Moving now, there's uh, some national attention on a lawsuit here in Kentucky against River City Firearms uh, dealing with the 2023 bank shooting. A few days prior to the bank shooting, the River City Firearms sold legally sold the gun uh, to the shooter that used used the gun. And so the victim's families are suing the gun seller for selling the gun. What's here? Uh, here's a video from their lawyer. Let's hear what he had to say. Yesterday, survivors and loved ones of those killed on April 10, 2023, in the mass shooting at the old National Bank here in Louisville, Kentucky, filed a civil lawsuit against River City Firearms. The shooter used an AR-15 style rifle purchased at River City Firearms to murder five of his colleagues at the bank, wounded eight more people, including responding police officers. The lawsuit alleges this act of widespread devastation and loss of life was made possible because River City Firearms ignored obvious warning signs when the shooter entered the store to purchase an assault weapon while he was in the midst of a mental breakdown just one week before the shooting. The shooter allegedly told River City employees that he wanted to purchase an AR-15 for self-defense. Despite the costs, a rationale particularly hard to square with his lack of firearm experience. So... <laughs> So the claim here is that River City Firearms somehow should have gleamed that this monster, this horrible individual, was going to use the tool that he purchased from them to go kill people with it uh, illegally. Not just kill, kill people with it, but kill people with it illegally. Because, of course, a gun is to defend yourself against those who would mean you harm. That is what a gun's for. That's the tool it's for. And they should have gleaned this. They should have figured it out because his inability, his, his lack of experience with firearms and his stated purpose of wanting it for self-defense, well, that just didn't really make a whole lot of uh, uh, sense. And they should have known something. They should have known that somebody purchasing an AR-15 saying it's for self-defense without a lot of firearm experience, well, they just couldn't sell them a gun. So what this would imply then is that the individuals at River City in all gun sellers, when you come in, have to first figure out if you know how to use a gun. And then once they've figured out whether or not you know how to use a gun, at that point, they can then sell you a gun. If this lawsuit is successful, they would create, and I don't think it's going to be successful, but if it was successful, it would create uh, um, case law to say that a, a firearms dealer needs to know that you can safely handle a gun before they can sell it to you. Now, no other tool or, or purchase do you make cars or anything like that. Do they need to make sure you know how to safely operate it? No. They can just sell it to you. You can come and, and buy a car. You can show an ID. You don't even have to show a driver's license. And as long as you're not the one who drives it off the lot, they can sell you a car and put it in your name. That's right. But so you're supposed to glean whether or not they know how to operate a firearm. And then it claims that, well... You know, not knowing how to use a gun and saying it's self for self-defense, they should have not sold him an AR-15 because that's not even good for that. What? I tell you this much right now. If if I had to pick a self-defense gun for my wife and we were out on a farm or something, um, if we're just close indoors, just in a house, close indoors, uh, I'd probably honestly go with a shotgun. Um, 
I would go with a, uh, you know, a, a pump shotgun or now that see, that's kind of too hard to operate harder than AR 15 to operate. Um, I'd probably give her an, a, a semi-automatic shotgun. Um, and that would be our go-to defense. But if we lived out on a farm, I would go with an AR-15. You got to make longer shots. Why? Because an AR-15 is actually pretty easy to operate. Generally speaking, very difficult to operate. Guns aren't chosen, chosen. Um, you know, that platform chosen to be used by militaries around the world. Now, of course, they're using an M4, different than an AR-15. But anyways, similar operation. It's fairly easy to operate. Not only that, but the round sizes makes it very easy to handle. But of course, they don't know this. This just tells you these anti-gun, even this lawyer filing the suit didn't bother to think through this statement. That a person unexperienced with firearms looking for a self-defense firearm would never buy an AR-15. I would be a gun I maybe would first suggest for somebody. 30 rounds, so you don't have to be particularly accurate. Uh, easy to operate. If you've got one in the chamber, you just flip off the safety. You're good to go. Not one in the chamber. You just rack the slide, flip off the safety. You're good to go. Fairly easy to use. Easier to use than a handgun. Is that what he says should have been bought for self-defense instead of handgun? I objectively would say a handgun is harder to operate than an AR-15. It's absolutely ridiculous. We'll be following this lawsuit more. But y'all, that's what we got time for today on the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. Thank y'all so, so much for joining us. We'll be back here on Monday. Have a great weekend.